that. All right, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter uh, 5. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Um, You've got your outline there. Go ahead and grab it. We'll go over it together. Just really quickly, again, we had a lot of people who haven't been here before or haven't been here the last several weeks. We're teaching through Hebrews. The whole focus of Hebrews is Jesus is better. And what happened was that the Jewish people who had become Christians, they'd been waiting for the Messiah, and Jesus is the Messiah they've been waiting for. But there was a temptation to go back to religion. And the same thing can happen to us. We can have a relationship with the Lord, but maybe if we grew up in a certain religion, we'll be drawn back to that religion. And so the focus has been that Jesus is better. And that's what the entire book of Hebrews is about. First of all, Jesus we saw was better than the prophets. Prophets used mildly by God, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the angels. Angels used mildly by God, Jesus is better. Moses, Jesus is better than Moses. God used Moses to, to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. God gave him the word of God, gave him the law. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. Moses used mildly by God, Jesus is better. Then we saw entering into his rest, entering into the rest of our Savior. Guys, the world we live in today is pretty restless. Can I get an amen? There's a lot going on in the world, but rest comes from having a relationship with the Lord. And then finally, we saw that Jesus is the great high priest. See, here's the temptation that the temple was still there and the shofar would blow and all the families would gather together to go into the temple. And again, the temple was used by the Lord and it was God's plan until Jesus came. And once Jesus came, there, were, there was no need for any more sacrifices. And so the, the Christians were meeting in homes in different places, but there was this drawing to go back to what was familiar. And so in the middle of that, you have people challenging them. We, we still have a high priest. We still have a temple. What do you have? Well, guys, the answer is always the same. You know what we have? We have Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? So that brings us to tonight's, or tonight, today's chapter, chapter five. We're going to pick up in verse 11. And I tell the message, it's time to grow up. So in light of who Jesus is, how do we now respond? Now that we know who Jesus is, now we know that he's greater. We know, we know that he's the savior of the world. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's almighty God. He's the creator of the universe. He suffered and died that you might have eternal life. Knowing all of that, how do you and I now respond? You'll see this through the Bible. It will start off in the, in the letters, what do we believe? And then now, how do we behave? We're kind of entering into that, now how do we behave part? How do we respond to the fact that Jesus is better? And he is the savior of the world. Two points. We're going to see point number one. We're going to see it when time, it's time to grow up. Marks of spiritual immaturity. These are things that are evident in the life of somebody who maybe has given their life to the Lord, but you've not really grown. And these are things that you will see in the life of somebody who's got maybe a saved soul and a wasted life, if you will. Their life's not having an impact on eternity. And so these are marks of spiritual immaturity. Number one we'll see is a dullness toward the word of God. Guys, if you love the Lord, you will love his word. Can I get an amen to that? But there is so many distractions to keep us from the Bible. And we have more exposure to it than anybody who's ever lived. We have Christian radio. We have commentaries. You pick out what the color Bible you want to match your clothes. Can I get an amen? We got so many Bibles. We have so much exposure to it. But way too many Christians don't spend time reading it. Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Amen. Number two. The inability to share with others. Here's a mark of spiritual immaturity. It's when you keep your faith to yourself. The, mo- the saddest thing we can do as Christians is go to heaven by ourselves. Can I get an amen to that? If you have family and friends that you love and you care about, I'm not saying it's easy, but as you mature in the Lord, you're going to be more concerned with other people's eternity than the possibility that you might be embarrassed or you might not have all the answers. Point number three, it marks a spiritual immaturity. 
an improper spiritual diet. This happens even in churches today. What I mean by that is they only focus on the parts of the Bible that are easy. You know, there's a good reason why we teach the whole counsel of God, because nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. Amen? There's certain people you can turn on TV, and they will just tell you every week how amazing and wonderful you are and blow sunshine your way. But the Bible tells us that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Can I get an amen to that? How many of you are sinners? Have you ever sinned one shot? Okay, there you go. If your hand's on up, you're prideful in line right now, and you're a sinner. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need to make sure that we feed on the whole counsel of God. Number three, or number four there, a lack of spiritual discernment. You know where wisdom comes from? The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And if you don't know the Lord, you can have intellect, you can be smart, you can be intelligent, but you cannot truly have wisdom because wisdom comes from God. So we'll look at that lack of spiritual discernment. Now, as time permits, we will then look at the call to spiritual maturity. So here's what immature believers look like. Here are the things that they struggle with. What does somebody who's spiritually mature look like? How, does their, how is their life reflected according to scripture? Number one, the call of spiritual maturity is to go beyond the basics of the word of God, to go beyond being satisfied with the saved soul. I got my get out of hell free card. It's in my wallet. I'm just going to live my life. And I know at the end, I'll get to go to heaven. Guys, Christianity is more than just Sunday mornings and Thursday nights. Can I get an amen? Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it needs to go beyond being satisfied with that saved soul, but having no relationship with the one who died for you. Secondly, to fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus. Some of you are visiting today and you're like, wow, okay. Um, here's the reality. The only thing that will matter one second after you close your eyes on earth is what have you done with God's son? It won't matter how much money you made. It won't matter how successful you are. It won't, none of that will matter. Now, all those things are fine, but what, what's, what will matter in eternity is what have you done with God's son? And we will see that as we are spiritually mature, we begin to recognize just the absolute consequences of rejecting Jesus. And then finally, when we live a spiritually mature life, our life will bear fruit. I doubt we'll get through all this. We'll just see when we get to the end of time and time for communion, we'll stop where we are and pick up next week. And that's the great thing about teaching verse by verse. So let's begin there. Again, this word, no doubt this morning, is for many of us here, you may have given your life to the Lord a long time ago, but you find yourself struggling with the same things you did years ago. Are you, more, are you closer to the Lord today than you were a year ago? If you're not, that's your fault. Can I get an amen to that? If we haven't, we should be growing in our relationship with the Lord, and we'll talk about that. Uh, being swayed by the trials of life and the words of men. We've got a lot of people being swayed by pandemics, being swayed by politics, being swayed by the words of men. Guys, the word of God trumps all of it. Can I get an amen to that? And we seek first his kingdom and his glory. Being tempted to go back to your old way of life. We're seeing some of this lately where people are rejecting the Lord after saying they knew him. Some well-known people, what I would tell you is they never knew him because if they knew him, they wouldn't go away. Can I get an amen? So this is a message to these first century Christians. It was time to grow up. Let's begin there in verse 11. I'm actually going to read verses 9 and 10 to give us some context. And then we'll pick up there in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5. And it says, having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. This is talking about Jesus. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. When we get to chapter 7, we're going to look at this man, Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a, 
Pastor Dave's opinion, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. He received tithes. He received worship. The Bible says he has no genealogy. He has no beginning and end. That's the Lord. Amen? Now, we're going to talk about it in chapter 7 a lot. It's all about Melchizedek. But what he's saying here to this crowd of people is, I have much to say about it, but I can't do it now because of the dullness of your hearing. Here's the problem. The word of God is not boring. You are. Can I get an amen to that? The word of God rocks, and it's not the pastor's fault. We know it's not the pastor's born. We know that can't be possible. I'm totally kidding. New people are like, what's with this guy? No, really. But the point is, the word of God rocks, amen? It's 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because... Because God wrote the book, it's proven archaeologically, historically, and prophetically. The word of God is true. And so if you're bored with the word of God, that's not the word of God's fault. It's our fault. Can I get an amen to that? If we don't want to read it, if we find it dull and boring, it's because we don't know the author. Amen? And so there's a, he says to them, I have so much to teach you, but I cannot because of the dullness of your hearing. It was a deep message that they needed to understand, but they... We're not willing to listen. It's interesting in the text, in Hebrews, at first he says they're drifting away from the word of God. Then he says they're doubting the word of God. And then finally he says they are not listening to the word of God. One of the first symptoms of a spiritual regression or backsliding, we used to call it back in the 60s and 70s, is a dullness toward the word of God. I have people tell me, you know, I, you know, I just don't have time to read the word of God. And then 10 minutes later, they're telling me how they watched an entire series on Netflix over the weekend. I watched 57 episodes of this show, but I didn't have any time for the word of God. Where your treasures, there your heart will be also, amen? I promise you when you open the word, it's worth it. You know, when you have dullness toward the word, here's what happens. Devotions are dry, if you even have them. Devotions is where you get up in the morning, you begin your day with the Lord. Your Bible study, the Bible study is dull. The preaching and teaching is dull. Anything spiritual is dull. And again, the problem is not with the word and not always the one delivering it, but certainly the problem is with our hearts. Again, the problem is not just with individual believers, but it's happening in churches today. There are churches today that apologize for the Bible. There are churches today that do not teach the Bible. You go to their church. By the way, if you're walking into a church and you see 500 people or 100 people walking in, no one has a Bible, that's a problem. Can I get an amen to that? Because if we're not going to teach the Bible, put horns on the wall and call it the Elks Club. Can I get an amen to that? Because guys, without the word of God, this is not the church of God. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by... It's the word of God. And so if we want our faith to grow, we need to spend time in God's word. But he says, because of the dullness of your hearing, their hearing is hardened. They have a flesh-centered heart. Rather than repent at the power of God's word to destroy the flesh, they want to feed their flesh. And dullness usually comes first, then the desire to give up completely. And watch out when the word of God starts seeming dull to you. The Bible says in the last days, men will raise up for themselves ear ticklers. Again, the church is where they'll tell you how wonderful you are. They'll never confront the sin that's in our lives. They'll never talk about repentance. They'll never talk about the cross. They'll just, it's just a big rah-rah session. And again, that's getting away from the truth of the gospel, and it's tragic. And also, they want to lower the bar so as not to offend anybody. If you go to church and you don't get offended a couple times, you're in the wrong church. Can I get an amen to that? Because <laughs> offense is being convicted. Amen? And so... How many, again, 
I sinned this week. Anybody join me? Did anybody else sin this week? Now, were you convicted when you sinned? What's the answer? Praise God, that's a mark of salvation. If you sin and you're not convicted, you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So because of the dullness of the word, we see that they're, they're spiritually immature. The word of God does not have the impact on their lives that it should. Not only the dullness of the word, but look what it says, the inability to serve others. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles. So these people had been Christians for a while. And we don't know exactly how long, because each individual person would be a different amount of time. But Jesus had ascended into heaven, back into heaven in 33 AD. This is probably 60, 65. So the church is 30 something years old. Some of the people have been saved that whole time. Some have been saved a few years. And the exhortation here is that by now you ought to be teachers. Now, it doesn't mean you ought to be pastors. It doesn't mean that you ought to be in a position where you teach huge crowds, but it means you ought to be able to teach others who your Savior is. Can I get an amen to that? The Bible tells us we are the bride of Christ. So in a sense, we're married to Jesus. My wife and I have been married for 36 years. If I never introduced her to anybody and didn't know how to, that would say a lot about our marriage. Can I get an amen to that? I knew how to introduce her after I'd known her a, a two weeks, a week. I knew on our second date I was going to spend the rest of my life with her, and I thank God for her. But here's the reality. We're Christians, and some of us have been Christians for years, and we've never introduced anybody to Jesus. And some of us, we don't even feel comfortable in knowing how to do it. And that's the exhortation he's giving them here is, by this time, you should be teachers. In light of the amount of time you've been a follower of Jesus, there's been, you should be more mature than you are. You ought to be not just a reference, again, to the gift of teaching, but being able to share what you believe and why you believe it. Now, they had become dull of hearing, and because of that, the word dull there means sluggish, uh, slothful, dull, it was because of their spiritual immaturity and their dullness of hearing that they were then unable to share their faith with somebody else. Guys, if you don't read the Bible, you're not going to be able to encourage someone else from the word of God. Amen. The Bible says we're all called to make disciples. Go therefore into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. To minister truth of God's word to those less mature in the faith. But even though they had walked with the Lord for some time, they hadn't grown deep enough in their knowledge of the word to be able to share it with others. In fact, he says there, you need someone, read right there in the text, to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Instead of helping others to grow, these Hebrew Christians were in need of learning again the simple truth of the gospel. Guys, instead of ought to be teaching others, and they still needed to be taught themselves. I meet plenty, many people. Most of you guys know I have a full-time job, and I, I go out and see customers all week. I'm in advertising sales. And when I meet people, as soon as they find out I'm a pastor, they'll very often tell me they're a Christian. And then I'll ask them, well, where do you fellowship? Oh, I really, I really, I don't. Um, I go to the, it's down on the corner. Who's the name of the pastor there? I, I don't, I, I don't What's your favorite Bible verse? I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm married to this woman. What's her name? I don't know. <laughs> right? This mentality that we say we're Christians because we walked in and prayed a prayer when we were seven years old at camp, but our life never changed. And so the exhortation here is that we ought to be teachers ourselves. 
You know what? And, and I want to say this too. The longer you're a Christian, the more spiritually mature you ought to be, but that's not always the case. The company I worked for, we used to have this thing called time and title. What's your time and title? That means how long have you been working here in the current job that you have? Well, with Christians, spiritual maturity has nothing to do with time and title. What it really has to do with, how much time are you spending with Jesus? Can I get an amen to that? There are people that are babies their whole life. They've been, they've, they've been walking with the Lord for 50 years and they haven't grown one day. I shouldn't say they've been walking. They've been you know, say they know the Lord for a great deal of time. And the reality is, guys, it's got to go beyond knowing about God to knowing him. Believing there is a God to having a relationship with him. Faith comes by hearing, and again, hearing by the word of God. Spiritual maturity, there's some signs to it. A a believer who's easily knocked down. Someone who's quick to to doubt, to question, and struggle. Having grown deep in their knowledge of the Lord. You know, babies learn to walk, and when they are learning to walk, we hold their hands. We make sure there's nothing sharp in the room. We don't want them to fall and get hurt. Well, I I remember moving out all the coffee tables when they're learning how to walk because we don't want them to fall and get hurt. And and that's fine for babies. But if you're 27 and I got to walk you around the room and keep the sharp stuff out, (laughs) something's wrong. Can I get an amen to that? And as some believers, there's some that because we haven't grown spiritually, we get blown off the track at the smallest thing. Something happens, we lose our faith. Guys, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And if we haven't grown deep in your knowledge of the word of God, if you lack a biblical foundation, you're always going to struggle. And you're going to question and you're going to doubt. But because they had not availed themselves of God's word, chosen not to dig deep into it, not, did not know God's word, uh, they, were, they were falling for anything. See, guys, if, if you don't know the truth, you'll fall for the lie. But if you know the truth, you'll recognize the lie for what it is. You guys heard that analogy? I don't know if it's still true, but they used to take, bank, you know, guys who were tellers and stuff when people worked in banks, and they didn't give them fake money to study. They gave them the real thing. Touch it, get recognized it, see what it's, and why, because they, once they knew the real thing so well, if someone handed them the fake, they knew immediately, well, that's not real. And guys, if you know the Lord and you know what the word of God says, when someone comes along with a false gospel, what are you going to, you're going to recognize immediately that's contradictory to the word of God. That's what was happening to these Jews. They were going back to that old faith. They were going back to the old traditions. They were being moved by their emotions instead of by the word of God. May we come to know God's word so well that his voice speaks louder than louder to you than any other voice in your life. Let me say that one more time. May you come to know the Lord so well that his voice is louder in your life than anyone else's, including the news. Can I get an amen to that? including the politicians, including all the stuff that's out there, the loudest voice that should speak to all of us is the Lord's. And if you want to hear from God, open up his word and he will speak to you. Can I get an amen to that? So that should be the loudest voice. His word protects us from those who would teach us a lie and that we may know the truth and stand firm in it and be able to teach it to others. The word of God will drown out the words of the world. Point number three. So first we saw dullness toward the word of God. Then the inability to share with others. We're called to make disciples. And then thirdly, an improper spiritual diet. So what are you feeding on? You know, what you you eat will determine a lot about how healthy and how strong you are. And the same is true, not just physically, but it's true spiritually. Look at the second half of verse 12. It says, the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come 
You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe or a baby. So here's what happens. The milk of the word, and it's interesting that I heard this years ago, and I try to do this every time I teach. Every message should have the milk of the word, the meat of the word, and the manna, okay? Milk of the word is the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Jesus is God. He came to earth. He suffered and died in your place. He went on the cross and took your sin upon himself. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. He's coming back. The milk of the word, and the milk of the word is necessary, and we need it. Can I get an Amen. But if you only focus on the milk of the word, you're never going to grow. You know what milk is? It's pre-digested food. Isn't it? Somebody else said, yeah, 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 Brett's throwing up in the front row. I just thought about that. <laughs> now, as adults, we can have milk. But if we try to live on milk, we're not going to be very healthy. Can I get an amen to that? Babies need milk. It's got all the nutrition they're supposed to have. And when you're a baby in the faith, being encouraged in the, the milk of the word of God, the simplicity of the gospel, to understand what it says and what it means, that's wonderful. But you're never going to grow beyond being a baby in the faith if you never get past the milk of the word. Amen? If you don't start digging into the word of the whole counsel of God and start to understand what the word of God teaches about not just who Jesus is and why he came, but how we're called to live our lives. They hadn't grown enough to digest more than milk. You can't give a steak to a three-month-old. Amen? They might like one, but they, you can't take it. You can't. So they have to grow enough to where they can digest something greater than milk, and we need to do the same. We need to grow enough spiritually that nothing in the Word of God is going to blow us off course. Amen? I have people come to me sometimes, they'll see something in the Old Testament where God wipes out a building of people and they go, that's not very nice. And when you try to explain to them, well, they had 300 years to repent and they were building idols, they were mocking God and they were killing God's people. So God brought righteous judgment. They don't like that. Why? Because they've only been eating milk, drinking milk. And they don't have that strong understanding of the word of God. It says in 1 Peter 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that they may grow Thereby, little children can only bear the most simple nourishment. And the same is true, maybe sometimes of a newer believer. But the simplicity, again, of the gospel is the good news, the fact that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins, now we're new creations in Christ. And while the milk is good, an adult can still enjoy it. But if there's to be growth, there must be solid food. So the word there, he says, you need milk and not sol you only have milk and solid food. Whoever partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled. Without the solid food of the, of the whole counsel of the word of God, one will remain a spiritual infant. No time to, you know, again, doesn't matter how long you've been saved. If you don't understand the word of God, you're not going to grow. Because again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So people will say, I want to have faith like so-and-so. You can read the Bible as much as they do. Amen. If you spend time in God's word, it will radically transform your life. This is a love letter written by the creator of the universe and delivered to you. Can you tell me what's more important than reading this? Can I get an amen to that? And other Christian books are fine, but they're vitamins. And vitamins are fine as long as you're eating meat and potatoes first. Amen? We don't replace meat and potatoes with vitamins. We'll die of malnutrition. Amen? So while a newborn baby, again, in a crib. Boy, don't you just love newborn babies? <laughs> Holland's amazing. Amen? 
She's already got a huge family. I'm, I'm going to semi-adopt her. I need a granddaughter. I five grandsons. She's so sweet. But if you go to a crib and there's a, a, a newborn baby with the little footed PJs and a pacifier in their mouth saying, Dada, it's beautiful. If you come back 20 years later, <laughs> 6'5", 225, wearing footed pajamas, sucking on a pacifier, saying, Dada, we got a problem. Got to get an amen. But sadly, that happens in the church where people just stay babies. They let everybody else feed them. See, babies have to be fed. And you know what? As, pa- as a pastor, I'm called to feed you. But you know what? This should be gravy to how you feed yourself all week. Can I get an amen to that? See, you don't grow if you just wait for someone else to feed you. You need to feed yourself. You need to open it, open it, read it, and obey it. Can I get an amen? Spend time in God's word. Too many Christians today are in this boat, been saved 20 years, no solid food, giant babies. And it's an exhortation, not just for those first century believers, but for many of us here this morning to move beyond spiritual infancy and to the feeding of the whole counsel of God. By the way, the Bible rocks. Amen. And, I, and you know, I will say this, I've said this before, it's kind of like going to the gym sometimes. When I was young, you never know looking at me now, but I used to be a bodybuilder, I used to bench press 500 pounds, a big guy, and I loved going to the gym. But sometimes I'd come home from work, I was working in a lumberyard when I was first married, and I'm tired, and I don't want to go. So the hard part was getting there. Once I got there, I'd stay three hours, and I loved it. Well, sometimes that's that way with the Word of God. Can I get an amen to that? It's been a long day. It's easier to flop into the chair and eat a bag of chips and watch a ball game or something. But you know what? Getting the Bible open sometimes is the hardest thing. But once you open it, aren't you always glad you did? Aren't you always blessed that you did? And we need to, you know, the way that you get strong as a bodybuilder or you're successful in anything, you have to be disciplined and, and, and practice and do it. Can I get an amen? Well, the same is true for us as believers. You need to be disciplined. Set aside a time where you are going to open up the Bible and read it and then be faithful to that. Can I get an amen? So that's the exhortation. We need a a proper spiritual diet. Nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. Verse 14, number four here. Mark says spiritual maturity. Not only dullness toward the word or the inability to share with others or an improper spiritual diet, a lack of spiritual discernment. And look what it says. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How do we know the difference between good and evil? The Bible defines it. Can I get an amen to that? Now, is the world trying to redefine good and evil? The Bible says in the last days, they'll call good evil and evil good. And we are seeing it, amen? You know, we used to be a a moral society where we had morals. We knew right and wrong, and we knew we were doing wrong. Then we became an immoral society where we knew right and wrong, and we just chose to do wrong anyway. And now we've become an amoral society, which means there are no morals, there is no more right and wrong, and the only people that catch any static are the people that have morals. Can I get an amen to that? So here's the exhortation is that we need to discern between good and evil. And it's not based on the latest thing that some scientists came up with. Can I get an amen? Well, actually, there's 757 genders. No, they're male and female. God said so. That's it. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. 
evolution, the good is due to you, did not happen. God created you in his image. He's not an amoeba. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. Guys, the word of God is true. And everything the world tries to attack is what the word of God says. And it's been the most attacked book ever. And yet it stands and all the people that attacked it are gone. Can I get an amen? So the word of God is true. And the word of God is our source of, of truth. And we need to understand good and evil. Adultery is evil. It's not an affair. It's like having a catered affair. We want to dial down, you know, we want to dial down what the word of God says. No, it's wrong. Infidelity is wrong. Lying is wrong. Can I get an amen to that? Stealing is wrong. By the way, I'm going to offend some people. I love police officers. Can I get an amen to that? They're not all perfect. They're all people like us, but God, God placed them there to help us Define the difference between good and evil. Can I get an amen to that? And we want to defend criminals and go after people who are making a stand for what's right. Amen? So here's the word of God. When you read the Bible, you will know what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. Amen? And we don't let, I don't care what law they pass. It does, killing babies is evil. And it's not defined by how many people vote or what amendments we have. It's what does the word of God say? He says he knit us together in our mother's womb. We are, a, we, are a, we are a seared over society when we think killing babies is fine. Something's wrong. Can I get an amen to that? I know I offended a bunch of people in here, but you know what? Like I said, you're going to a good church, you get offended every once in a while. Can I get an amen? So the reality is that we live in a time right now where there's no standard. We have moral relativism. Here's the other one. It makes me want to throw up every time. My truth. I'm living my truth. I don't care about your truth. I care about the truth. Can I get an amen to that? In my world, the sky is purple and I can fly. Well, that's not real. Can I get an amen to that? It's not my truth. It's not my beliefs. It's not, it's what does the word of God say? Amen. And again, if you're here and you were invited or whatever, and you're like, this guy's crazy. You know, the Bible is, I don't get it. Guys, I promise you, I challenge you. Spend time in the word of God and you'll find out it's true. There was a very renowned scientist who tried to prove that the Bible was wrong. He set out to write a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. His name's uh, McDowell. And he set out to write a book to prove that the Bible was wrong. And as he studied the Bible, you know what happened? He became a Christian. And he still wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, but it's evidence that proves that the Bible is true. Every time they shovel dirt in Israel, the Bible's proven to be true. All the things they say didn't happen, civilizations they say are nowhere else, they find them and the word of God is always right. There's not one contradiction in the word of God. A book written over 1,500 years of, with 40 different authors. How in the world is that possible? Only because God wrote it, amen? And so if we want to be, have discernment between good and evil, Turn off your TV and open up your Bible. Can I get an amen to that? Because people have an agenda. You know what God's agenda is? He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. You know what his agenda is? You might have life and life more abundant. The word of God is not a, a, a fence to keep you out of Disneyland. It's a guardrail to keep you from driving off a cliff. Amen? He's not trying to keep you from fun. He wants to keep you from harm. When you obey the word of God, your life is more fruitful. Amen? There's joy when you obey the Lord. The way the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. So there's a lack of discernment. 
Solid food brings those who are of full age to a place where they can understand right and wrong. Just as physical health and strength and growth are impossible without proper nutrition, so too spiritual growth and maturity are impossible without the proper feeding on the word of God. The Bible tells us, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. If you want your faith to grow, spend more time in God's word. This is the only book where the author loves the reader. Amen? And it's living and breathing. God's word discerns the thoughts and intents of our hearts, and so too, spiritual maturity is revealed through the ability to discern between the truth and a lie and good and evil. It says that at the end of that verse, that is those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised. It says that our senses exercised to both discern good and evil. So to grow spiritually, we must exercise our faith. It's one thing to say you believe it, and it's another thing to live like it. Amen? You guys have heard that analogy where a guy was going back and forth on a tightrope over Niagara Falls. You guys have heard this. And, he does, and then he, goes, he walks back and forth carrying a wheelbarrow. And they're all he's saying to everybody, how many guys think I could go across back and forth with someone in the wheelbarrow? And they all raise their hand. He says, who wants to get in? Nobody. <laughs> so it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe it, but it's another thing to live it. Amen? And real belief will be reflected in behavior. And when you're spiritually mature, you lack discernment. Psalm 34 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In Matthew 13, it says, be blessed but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. As we feed upon the word of God and apply it to our daily life, our spiritual senses get their exercise and become strong and keen. Paul calls this process exercising ourselves unto godliness. As we grow in the word, we learn to use it in our daily lives. You hear me say it often, if Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. If you come to church on Sunday and you go live the same life you've always lived and nothing about you changes and you come week after week, but you're just the person here getting brownie points with God just in case there is a God, you know, hope, I, I got to cover my bases, but your life doesn't change, you don't know the Lord. If Sunday, if Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Characteristic of a child is that they lack discernment. A baby will put anything in their mouth. Is that not true? If, you got, if you're a parent of a young child, you spend half your... Get that out of your mouth. Put the, they just... Everything they grab... Or they might try to grab your mouth while you're praying. <laughs> so sweet. What an adorable little girl. But point I'm making is, though, that that's why they need parents, because they're just putting everything in their mouth. And you know, when we're spiritually immature, we'll swallow anything. Amen. We'll swallow any lie that comes down the pike. We don't have any discernment. We don't have any wisdom. And, and we'll, just, we'll just take it and eat it. And, and it will be often to our own destruction. The ability to discern good and evil is a vital part of the Christian maturity. And the word doesn't keep us from fun. It keeps us from harm. And the nation of Israel in Moses' day lacked discernment. And they failed to claim the promise they had. Remember, they got to the land of promise. And God had told them, enter in, I'm going to give you victory. They got there. They listened to 10 people. There were 12 spies. 10 of them said, oh, there's giants in the land. They'll crush us. The other two, Joshua and Caleb said, we got them. God promised. And they listened to men instead of listening to God. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and all dropped dead in the wilderness and never entered the land of promise. Guys, we listen to the world. We're going to miss out on what God has for us. Can I get an amen? God wants us to enter in to his highest, to experience all that he has for us. 
They were dealing with outward persecution and inward temptation from family and friends, and many were wavering. Why? Because they, did, they were not mature in the word. They were, they were having people tell them and give them a hard time about their faith, and they didn't like that. They were having out, outward persecution. Christians were being fed to lions in those days. It's kind of hard to make a stand for the Lord, but it could cost you your life. And so what happens is the world says, just come back to the, over here. Nobody's killing us over there. Come back over here. And the reality is that as believers, we need not to be swayed by the opinions or the words of men. But we need to be faithful to the calling and the word of God. Amen? The word of God should be the greatest single influence in your life. As I said before, his voice should be the loudest voice that you hear, and he should have the greatest influence in your life. So discerning both good and evil, again, not based on your feelings. Have your feelings ever been wrong? <laughs> They're wrong most of the time. Can I get an amen? Well, I just feel. I just felt like, but I felt like, but I felt. Uh, who cares? I feel like one plus one is nine. It's two. Can I get an amen? But I feel, but I feel, but I think, but I feel. What you feel, what you think, irrelevant, word of God. Can I get an amen? And what happens is when you read the word of God, your feelings follow the truth found in the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? And now you have a desire to do what God wants you to do. What the world says is acceptable if you're not basing things on the word of God. It's not based on your circumstances either. Well, I trusted God till something bad happened. The Bible says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So the fact that you're going through tribulation is in accordance with the word of God, so don't freak out. Can I get an amen to that? Can I join my brethren when you fall into various trials? I'm in a trial. Well, the Bible says you're going to be, so there you go. But we don't go through them alone. Amen? And God is faithful in the midst of it. And so if we read the word of God, we're not surprised. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Can I get an amen? We shouldn't be surprised when the world tells us stuff that is a lie. Because you know why? The word of God is not the focal point of their belief. Amen? We as Christians need to be different. We also are to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't have a lot of time to deal with this, but here's the reality. Why would you go to a counselor that doesn't know God when you do? He needs your counsel. You don't need his. Can I get an amen? I'm not going to go ask somebody. I'm not going to get marriage advice from someone who doesn't know Jesus. And what even cracks me up further is my office in Santa Cruz. The guy next to me was a marriage, family, and child counselor. I've been married seven times. I'm like, how long have you been married? He goes, well, this time, you know, three years with the coffee room. I'm like, this time? Well, yeah, I'm on my seventh marriage. So you're the what not to do guy. <laughs> Let me tell you what not to do. Go see the pastor. He can show you what to do if it's in the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? We walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. The word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. Are we like these immature babies putting anything into our mouths? Are we living lives based on society's standards? Are we heeding the words of men above the word of God? Are we doing that? If we are, we're missing out on God's highest. Or are we feeding on the meat of God's word, the whole counsel of God? Is it equipping us to discern between good and evil? Is God's word the standard for your life? Are we pressing in and stepping out in faith into all that God has for us? Or are we wandering in the wilderness caught between Egypt and Canaan because we won't obey God? Save souls, wasted lives wandering in the wilderness, having little or no impact 
on eternity? Do you really have a desire to live in a holy life set apart unto the Lord? Are you grieved by your sin? As you grow mature into maturity, you're going to hate your sin. We love God and we hate sin. Can I get an amen to that? And Christians, we're not sinless, but we should sin less. Amen? Because we're grieved by it. You give every aspect of your life to the Lord. You turn away from sinful behavior. Are you putting your flesh to death? Have you given Jesus the throne of your life? One of the most precious things that happened at my daughter's wedding, this was 14 years ago, is my son-in-law who's a pastor in Colorado. He had me share, do communion at the wedding. And while I was sharing about communion, I shared the gospel. My son-in-law was weeping uncontrollably. And the reason he was weeping was, one, he was thankful for what Jesus had done for him, but he was also heartbroken for the people that were there that did not know the Lord. And you know what breaks your heart more than anything is people that you love who do not know the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And they may look at us like we're holy rollers. And by the way, we should never be self-righteous. We should never be arrogant. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to have that heart. So marks of spiritual maturity. Dullness toward the word, the inability to share with others, an improper diet, a lack of spiritual discernment. So let's move on now to chapter six. We're, we're not going to get through the, the whole outline, so don't panic. But now we're going to look at a call to spiritual maturity. And first thing is to go beyond the basics. Look what it says. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles. So he said, those of you who feed on the milk, we have to give you the elementary principles. We have to tell you the basics of Christianity again and again, because you never seem to get it and you never grow past it. So he says, therefore, in light of the spiritual dullness, in light of all these other things you're struggling with, we need to go beyond these principles, these elementary principles, in light of what we've just heard of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again to the laying not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works of faith toward God. Now, when you see the word, let us go on to perfection, don't you just kind of wince a little bit? Wait a minute, perfection, I can't do that. How many of you see perfection say, I can't do that? You're right. Can I get an amen? The word perfection there, it doesn't mean that we are perfect, okay? What it really, the word perfection there really means uh, to, be, to be made mature, to grow, made complete, if you will. So we need to be continuing to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And we start off with the basic principles of the gospel, who Jesus is, why he came, what he did for us on the cross. And those principles are necessary. They're essential for growth, but it shouldn't end there. You've heard me say it before. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were justified, just as if you never sinned. All your sins have been washed away. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. The Holy Spirit's come to live inside of you. You're a new creation in Christ. You're once dead, now you're alive. Can I get an amen? But we've been justified, but now we're being sanctified. That we're being set apart unto the Lord. So we were born again here, and now we're growing in faith. So we're justified. Now we're being sanctified till the day we're glorified when we get to heaven. Amen? So this is where we are in that sanctification process. We're born again, new creations in Christ. We have the promise of eternal life. But we've got growing to do. Amen? If all you did was learn the ABCs, you'd be able to sing a song that would grow old. Can I get an amen? But you wouldn't be able to put words together. You wouldn't be able to, to write out a sentence. We've got to go beyond just the elementary understanding. The elementary understanding is very, very important because it gets us saved. Can I get an amen to that? Praise God for it. 
But as believers, we need to go past it. Let us go on to perfection. Let's go on, better translation. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Now, here's the good news. Moving forward in your walk with the Lord, guess who carries you? The Lord does, amen? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He prompts you. He carries you. He encourages you. He strengthens you. It is God who enables us to progress as we yield to him, receive his word, and act on it. A baby doesn't grow himself. He grows as he eats and sleeps and exercises. Amen? You stop feeding a baby, they don't grow. They don't exercise. They don't, right? Amen? All those things, and we need to do the same in the walk of the Lord. Guys, if we don't eat, if we don't feed on his word, if we don't sleep, we rest in him. Find your rest in him. If we don't exercise, that's living out the word, living what we believe. That's how we grow. We won't grow. We'll be babies forever if we don't spend time in the word, if we don't rest in the Lord, and we don't exercise our faith. Can I get an amen to that? See, if we don't do those things, we don't grow. And we just, we wonder why we're the same person we've always been. A lot of people don't like this analogy, but I love it. Christianity is like a grease pole. You're either climbing up or sliding down. Can I get an amen? No one's staying in the same spot. You're either growing or you're falling away. You're either getting closer to the Lord or further away from him. Because if you're in the word every day, you're going to grow, right? Amen? If you're in fellowship, in the word, using your gifts, you're going to grow. If you're not doing those things, you're going to fall away. You're not going to stay right where you are. Notice he says, they're not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Repentance is more than just feeling bad about your sin. It means to change your mind. Salvation is impossible without repentance. That word is not liked. People don't like that word. But you know what Jesus taught? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what John the Baptist taught? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what all the Old Testament, pro repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did the apostle Paul teach? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We got pastors today who think they know better than the apostle Paul, Peter, all the apostles and Jesus because they teach something else. Amen? Amen. Now the word repent, let me define it for you because some of us don't understand. Repent literally means to change your mind and to turn around. It means I'm headed this way toward destruction. I'm living a life that feeds my flesh and its desires. And repentance means I recognize I'm going in the wrong direction and I'm going to turn around and surrender my life to the Lord. That's what the word means. Praise God for repentance. Can I get an amen? That we can turn away if we're headed to destruction. We don't know God. We're living a life according to our flesh. The Holy Spirit's prompting us to turn around and we respond and we turn our lives over to the Lord. And we don't just make him Savior, we make him Lord. We don't, won't just say, well, save me from hellfire, and I'll see you in 50 years. We don't just say, give me the get out of hell free car. We give our lives to the Lord. Somebody's on the throne. It's either you or the Lord. Amen? Who's on the throne of your life? And by the way, if it's you, how's that working out? Amen? You might have a lot from the world's perspective, but you know something's missing. Don't lay again the foundation of repentance. Again, more than just a bad feeling about sin, to change one's mind to the point of turning around. Notice it says there, repentance of dead works and of faith toward God. Dead works, works that bring about death. In context, dead works of religion they were being drawn back to. Guys, let me just say this. And again, this is going to offend a few people, but know that I love you and I'm glad you're here. If you put your faith in a church, you will not get saved. Can I get an amen? If you're putting your faith in how good you are, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Man, he told me already that I'm, I'm a sinner. <laughs> the eternal judgment's coming. And now he's telling me 
that I'm not good. Well, that's because the Bible says you're not good. Can I get amen? There's none righteous, no, not one. You know who's good? Jesus. Well, people will say, well, I'm good. Compared to who? See, that's the problem. It's all the standard that you use determines what, well, I'm no Adolf Hitler. Nice high bar you set for yourself. God bless you. We don't compare ourselves to Adolf Hitler. How are you doing compared to Jesus Christ? Oh, fell short. Can I get an amen to that? So we're all sinners in need of a savior. There's none righteous, no, not one. And we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. And the problem is crawling on your knees on glass for a thousand miles to Mecca will not save you because your sin problem still needs to be dealt with. Amen? Going to mass every morning at 6 a.m. for the next 50 years will not save you if you do not surrender your life to Jesus Christ because your sin problem has not been taken care of. Can I get an amen to that? Joining every society and, and serving at the homeless shelter, all these things are good. But guys, you know, doing all these good works won't save you because there's still the sin problem that needs to be dealt with. The word sin is a, it's an archery term. It's the separation between perfection and where you land. And the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. You know why people die? Because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Amen? And so we've got a sin problem. By the way, God can't have one sin in heaven or he's got earth part two. Yeah. Amen? So we're all sinners. There can be no sin in heaven. We've got a problem. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise the Lord. Amen? And he takes all of our sin upon himself. It's offered universally. It must be accepted individually. He's willing to die for the sins of everybody in the room. He already has. He offers it to you, but you must accept it individually. And you don't accept it by being a good person. You don't accept it by, you know, giving to charity. You can only accept it by surrendering your life fully to the Lord. The foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. We must not only turn from our sin, we must have faith in the only one that can redeem us from our sin. No other religious figure that has ever been created by man or made themselves a religious figure has triumphed over sin and death. Can I get an amen? Joseph Smith is dead. We can dig up his bones. He's founder of the Mormon church. Charles Taze Russell, Jehovah's Witnesses. Go down the list. Mary Baker Eddy, Church of Religious Science. Buddha, dead. Can I get an amen? So you go and you look and they're all dead. They're all dead gods. Many of them never even claimed to be God. Buddha said, oh, I have no idea what eternity is going to be like. I'm going to sit under a tree and try to think of nothing. And people are following that. And the sad part is they're following that because we need to do a better job as Christians telling them the truth. Can I get an amen to that? We got to take some of that responsibility. But people are, are, play, are betting their eternity following after someone whose own life ended in disaster. Amen? Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Amen? I've been to the tomb. It's empty. Amen? Guys, we don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen and living Savior. Again, he says there, again, how do we do this? It's by faith. We find mercy in our Savior. It's by repentance and faith, actions toward God, and initiation of a spiritual life. Again, without repentance and faith, you are spiritually dead. Notice what he says next. So he's, he's exhorting them to repentance. Okay, he's talking about that. Then he says, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So baptism, do you need to be baptized to be saved? What's the answer? 
No, you don't. Because Jesus said on the cross, it is, which means it's paid in full. He turned to the man, the thief on the cross, said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, as Christians, should we be baptized? What's the answer? Yes. yes. Now, it's not essential for salvation, but it is fruit of salvation. And what it is, it's a public profession. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. So we're going to be having a couple, two or three baptisms at least this summer. We're going to, we do it at the beach in Malibu. And what do we do? You go out into the ocean, and it's a picture of when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's a picture of the fact that you're dying to the person you used to be, and you're a new creation in Christ, and you're doing it publicly before everyone else, and you're unashamed of the gospel, letting everybody know that you've given your life to Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. So after repentance, the next thing he's talking about here is we need to make a public profession. If you, if you work at the same place for 10 years and no one knows you're saved... If none of your neighbors know you're saved, people are coming out of the closet for other stuff. Time to come out of the closet for Jesus. Can I get an amen? <laughs> it's time for us not to keep it to ourselves. Amen? We need to be unashamed of the gospel. He hung on a cross for us. We can go in some cold water for him. Can I get an amen? So he says they're baptism. And he also says the laying on of hands. You see this throughout scripture when somebody has been commissioned or called to do ministry. And it's also a representation of the Holy Spirit being upon somebody's life. So baptism is an outward statement of an inward change. It laying on of hands, is a, it shows the, the, a calling of God being upon your life. So when, when people are called, we lay hands on them, we send them out, and we recognize that the Holy Spirit is upon them and called them and gifted them. So as believers, we go beyond repentance and public profession as we want to be walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? Here's where your life changes. When you go from being a ministry to a minister, amen? It's okay to be fed as a baby, but at some point, you should be feeding others, amen? You should be ministering to others. You should be walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit where you can hear that still small voice and that's the voice that has the greatest impact on your life. It's a recognition of godly calling. By the way, when someone's called, don't you know it? Can I get an amen to that? We got people coming here early to set up chairs and they're called to do it because they do it for the Lord. They're sweating for Jesus. Can I get an amen? When someone serves in the children's ministry, when someone leads worship, when someone, whatever part of the men's Bible study, whatever that is, when you're doing it for the Lord, it's so evident when, it, when you've been called by God to do it. Amen? It's a get to, not a have to. Can I get an amen to that? And so when we're called, we're faithful to it. And when you see someone who's called, it's evident. And that's part of spiritual maturity. So we have baptism, we have laying on of hands, the person's relationship. And then it says, of the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. First, belief in the resurrection is essential for salvation. I was listening to the radio not long ago, and I'm glad that I was at a stoplight when I heard this, because I might have wrecked my car. And these two pastors, and they don't deserve the term, pastor just means servant. But these two pastors were on the radio saying, it doesn't matter whether you believe in the resurrection or not. And I, my head almost exploded. And I, where is this radio station? Can I go find these people? If Jesus is not risen, we're the most pitiable of all people. He is risen. And when you make Jesus less and man more, you're a cult. Can I get an amen to that? So he is the creator of all things. He has proven himself to be God. And so he's saying there that our belief 
and, you know, or the laying on of hands, walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But the resurrection of the dead, what he's talking about here, actually, is not just the resurrection of Jesus, but that death has no sting for the believer. And there is a resurrection that is coming where we will all be resurrected into newness of life if we know the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? We close our eyes on earth. We open them up in glory. My mom went to heaven six weeks ago, and I'm thankful. Death has no sting. Can I get an amen to that? So these are, these are attributes that are evident in the life of a spiritually mature believer. They're looking forward to the, resu- the, the resurrection to come. And also it also says eternal judgment. Oh, man, I came here for a baby dedication, and now I'm hearing about eternal judgment. In the Bible, there are two judgments that take place after we die. There's the great white throne judgment, and that is for people who have rejected the Lord. Where you come before the, the throne of God, and I believe, and only God knows for sure, but I have an idea you're going to see every opportunity you had to get saved. Because no one's going to go to hell without running over the cross of Christ to get there. The Lord desires that none should perish, no, not one. Amen? And so when we stand before the Lord, we're not going to be able to pull out our 401k. He's not going to care. Or how big our house was, or how much we could bench for us. Can I get an amen to that? Or how much we gave to charity, and how many good works we did. It's all going to be, what have you done with God's son? See, Jesus took our, our punishment. He suffered as if he lived our life, so we could be rewarded as if we lived his. What a great and awesome God we serve, amen? So the father, if you've been born again, he sees you through the shed blood of his son. He sees you holy and sinless because your, your sins have been paid for. This happened years ago. I heard about it on the radio. And uh, Jesse Jackson was running for president. And I was, I was actually in the hotel when it happened. But I heard a guy talking about it on the radio. And what happened was he walked into this. There was a, I was sitting there waiting to meet a client. It was in a real fancy hotel in downtown LA. This was a long time ago, 1988. And this guy kept coming into this real nice hotel. And they kept throwing him out. He was not dressed. He was kind of drunk. He was filthy. He smelled bad. So they kept escorting him out the front of the building. Well, finally, I didn't realize this was happening. I'm sitting over here in a chair, and, and there was a pastor that was with him who tells this story on the radio. And what happens is he comes in, and man, like, they got security, and they got all these guys with headsets, and, and then this, this bum comes running in. This guy dressed badly comes running in. And he's yelling, hey, Jesse. And they're trying to drag him out. And Jesse Jackson turned around and said, hey, leave him alone. He's with me. And you know what happened? The doors parted and he got ushered into the big room where they're having this big fundraiser event. And he walked in arm in arm with Jesse. Here's the reality. I'm going to stand before God on judgment day. And I'm going to be clothed, left to myself. I'm clothed in wickedness. Can I get an amen to that? And even though I deserve hell, Jesus is going to step forward and say, it's okay. He's with me. Can I get an amen to that? Are you with Jesus? Does he know you? Do you know about him or do you know him? Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Boy, it just gives me chills. I thought about that analogy. I was sitting there and I'm like, wow. And I'm like, you know, that's what the Lord does with us. He's going to put my arm around me and usher me into heaven. Guys, that's what matters. Can I get an amen to that? That's what matters. It's that, it's that resurrection. Now, there's another judgment, along with the great white throne judgment, that really isn't for believers because we're saved. But if you're born again, there's a bema seat judgment. And here's what this is. God's given us all gifts and talents. We see it, there are a couple parables in the Bible. One given one talent, one given two, one given five. The one giving five goes out and it turns into 10. One given two turns into four. And the one that gets one buries it in the sand. You guys remember this? It doesn't even do, doesn't do anything. Now, guys, you'll still get into heaven, 
as by fire, but he's still going to heaven. But guys, don't we want to be faithful with the talents God's given us so we stand before him on, at the Bema seat? The Bible actually says he will give us rewards. Now, this blows me away. He saves us. He died for us. He paid the price for our sins. He redeems us. He forgives us. And then he gives us gifts. Now, most of us say, as long as I get into heaven, you know, I, I don't have to live on Hallelujah Avenue. I can, I can have the shack on, on Almost in Hell Drive. <laughs> just, just let me into heaven, Right? But the reality is the Bible says that we should desire these gifts, so we should desire them. Can I get amen to that? And most people believe the crowns he gives us, we will cast right back at his feet anyway. And don't you want to have something to throw back at our Savior's feet? Can I get an amen? So this is all part of the, this growing in faith is, is the recognition that there is an eternal judgment to come. You know, I spend time sometimes kind of living my life backwards. What I do... We're going to close up now. We're not going to another verse. Don't panic. But I, I think about when I stand before the Lord one day. And I know that I will see the things I could have done that I didn't. And I will be grieved. The Bible says he's going to wipe away every tear. So that's the only place that could happen. Because once we're in heaven, there's no more crying. Can I get an amen? But I look back and think, man, I'll be thinking, if I had more time, I would have done this and done this. Well, guess what? I do that now and I think I still have time. Do we still have time, you guys? It's not too late to get saved. It's not too late to start serving the Lord with all your heart. It's not too late. We'll pick up where I left off. We'll probably review some of this. But now we're going to go to a time of communion.